Welcome back to Pulp Friction. It's a show about what divides us. Uh, my name is Rocky. Cody's name is Cody. I'm Cody. And it's freaking Halloween season, baby. It's the spooky season. Because last week I did like a different theme song because it was the 2001 movie awards. I'm wondering if I should make like a like a, like a creepy kooky version of the of the Pulp Friction theme this week. Oh, that'd be interesting. Be good. If I don't, I'll just play like a like a witch cackle. Sure. After yeah. I said it's Halloween season. Yeah. And then you'll leave all of this in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a real, you know, it's a peek behind the curtain at your process. Absolutely. Absolutely. Padding that runtime. Mm-hmm. Now, we're talking about a nightmare, the Nightmare Before Christmas, not just any Nightmare it's, Before It's Christmas. Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas, which I, I'm a little mad at you about because I feel like a few weeks ago we were talking about this movie and you were like, it's not Tim Burton, it's fucking Henry Selleck. And I was like, I feel like it's a Tim Burton movie. <laughs> it says Tim Burton right on it. I did describe what Tim Burton's involvement was <laughs> in, in that I, I I did explain that he was the producer and he wrote the poem that the movie was based on. Mm-hmm. But no. yes, yeah. despite it not being a Tim Burton movie, the official name is Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas. <laughs> yeah, uh, which I had never seen before. Uh, we did it for this for this, which is what, which is why I wanted to watch it because you said something Halloweeny, and I was like, well, I've never seen The Nightmare Before Christmas, and every every time I tell that to somebody, they get mad at me about it. Um. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, not a controversial movie, but I think it is a, a source of friction in many ways. I think there are interesting things to talk about with it, and uh, I think it'll be a fun one. You know, the, we all know that there was a night before Christmas. Yeah, <laughs> we're all familiar. <laughs> What this movie presupposes is... Is that there is also a mare. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's actually funny, because as I was doing this research, I was like, okay, what was the germ of this idea? And a lot of this stuff is like, oh, he was thinking about, you know, the Rankin-Bass holiday specials and, like, the Grinch. And he was like, what if there was a reverse Grinch where he liked the holiday and he tried to do it himself? Um, but I really think when you think of it as... What if there was a nightmare before Christmas? Mm-hmm. That is what the whole thing comes from. Yeah, I mean, it's a you know, it's 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 a, it's a subversion of the genre. Um, it's very dark. It's very edgy. Thank you, Tim Burton. <laughs> mm-hmm. He's a real Joker with it. You know, it's like what if the Joker did Christmas? That's sort of what this is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think um, there's a lot to be said about Jack Jack Skellington as this sort of hot topic icon. Yeah, that's the other thing, right? Is like I I feel like fourteen year old girls in two thousand four were so horny for the skeleton man. <laughs> it's true. It's true. And I I never I never got it. I would walk into Hot Topic and be like, I don't know, I don't know what this is. I also I wasn't like a goth as a kid, so maybe that's where the barrier is. Yeah, I really wasn't either. I feel like I was never. I mean, we all like a twink. Yeah, but. <laughs> Jack uh, Skellington is like King Twink. He's like the twinkiest twink <laughs> in the world. He's sort of like, yeah, if you if you took all the twink traits and just like maximized them mm-hmm. to the point that they're unrecognizable, like when you sort of face app yourself to get older and older and older. Um <laughs> Have you done that? No, but people have. <laughs> Many people are saying it. I feel like I feel like I forgot how how much he, his character is kind of a 
normal guy in the rare moments of dialogue that he has. Like, he definitely, you know, he has the songs and the soliloquies and all that, and he becomes this kind of, this, like, Romeo sort of figure, but, like, there are moments where he talks and you're like, oh yeah, this is just, like, a guy from Halloween Town. Yeah, it, it is kind of crazy how, how... And by crazy, I mean I really enjoy it. Uh, everybody in Halloween Town is just kind of a normal guy. It's it's like it's, but it's just that their personality is they're from Halloween Town, <laughs> and that's why they're like this. Yeah, 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 yeah. I feel like um, there are definitely a lot of folks in Halloween Town that we can talk about it. Mm-hmm. I like the jazz band and like the sax player who calls him Bone Daddy. That's probably my favorite. I love the the mischievous gang of children. I love a mischievous Ooh. gang of children, and that's why, like, I love Pathologic, you know? Um, cause, yeah. <laughs> so that's, like, like, I was watching this last night, and I was, like, a little bit drunk, and I was just like, I'm obsessed with these children. <laughs> yeah, well, here's something that I think is funny about them is that Jack describes them as, like, Oogie Boogie's boys, but it's not clear if they're, like, his sons or they just like they're just like his sort of his little rascals. Yeah, <laughs> I like to think also <laughs> his his boys, but one of them's a girl. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I I love that. Um, yeah, I feel like he sort of uh, if if anything, he sort of you know formed them from clay. You know, mm. like they, they're just sort of his golems. <laughs> yeah, the idea that there is children is interesting because he is bugs. <laughs> they seem to be children. <laughs> they seem to be children. They, I mean, they are. Yeah, I'm I'm imagining a world where there so the kids are wearing masks. So they have they have human faces under their masks, but then there's another mask <laughs> hiding the bugs. <laughs> yeah, they're yeah, under that mask they're bugs. Yeah. I I love that Oogie Boogie is bugs, by the way. Like that is Oogie Boogie being bugs. So I watched I saw that scene and I was like, this would have scared the shit out of me as a child. Like I did I tried to watch mm-hmm. this once as a kid. Um and I turned it off, like, in the first song, because I was like, this is too scary. Because uh, I was yeah. a piece of shit as a child. <laughs> I was so nerdy. I was, yeah, I'm better now, um, is what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's a very freaky movie, and um, I think that's a good note to sort of get into the history a little bit on, because, like... Please, let's get into it. You can sort of see how, like, when Burton was making it, and he was at Disney, they were like, why would we ever do this? And then Tim Burton becomes... Tim Burton, and they're mm-hmm. like, "Oh, we have to do this." Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, tell me about this because I, I, had, I the, like when I was watching, it, I had so many questions about like what was the budget here, like what was happening because also like stop motion takes fucking forever to make. So it's true. Um, I do want to pull up the budget, which I don't think I had down, but it was uh, I assume pretty pretty yeah twenty four million. Okay, so so less less than like a than like a mainline Disney animated movie. Sure, yeah, but also like not. Like, there are only, I was on IMDb, there are only 16 voice actors credited. So, like, all of that budget went into the stop motion. <laughs> and you can see it. It's really, really good. Yeah, and there's not a, not a ton of big names, you know. Uh, there's Burton, who was his idea, and there's Paul Rubens has, like, a very small role, and, like... Catherine O'Hara, Sally. But there's all kinds of stuff with, like, they, they wanted to get, like, James Earl Jones or Vincent Price to do the voiceover, did, like, the narration at the beginning, mm. and they were like... No, that's too expensive. Like, yeah. <laughs> like they really put it all into the animation. Yeah, like, like even even things like uh, Danny Elfman did Jack's singing voice. It's like they, he, it's like I can just do this. You know, I can totally yeah. see that. And, like, <laughs> as, as a creator, it's like, oh no, I can just do this. <laughs> we don't have to spend money on this. Yeah, early eighties is where this story begins. Yeah. Henry Selleck and Tim Burton are both working as animators at Disney. 
And Tim Burton has this very successful short called Vincent that he makes that is, like, distributed by Disney. It wins a couple awards. It's like, okay, Tim Burton has this very unique vision, and we want to keep him around. Mm -hmm. So, as I said, part of the idea was to do an inverse of The Grinch, where this character discovers Christmas and loves it, and is this same sort of, like, creepy, like, storybook villain kind of character, but, like, really is is trying to do Christmas. <laughs> yeah. And, and just fucking it up. Yeah. Which is so cute. Which we'll I love. It. Yeah. You know, because he did the stop motion short, he was like, let me do a bigger stop motion project. Let me do something the size of, like, the Rankin-Bass Christmas specials, like Rudolph and all that. There were a couple different versions of it. He started by writing this three-page poem that was based on Twizzle Night Before Christmas. He produced some concept work for it with Rick Heinrichs, who was also an animator at Disney, also worked with him on Vincent and on a lot of his uh, later films. Heinrichs then became like a production designer. He worked on like Big Lebowski and a series of unfortunate events. He did Glass Onion recently. Like he's oh, a, cool. a big deal production designer. And so yeah, it was like Burton coming up with this concept, working with Rick Heinrichs, working with Henry Selleck. And then, because Vincent was pretty successful, Disney, they wanted to foster this project, uh, but they didn't really want to do, like, a larger stop-motion project. Mm -hmm. Like, at this time, you, you know, stop-motion was almost the main form of animation in, like, the, the early days of film, but it just sort of had this gradual falling out of favor. It never fully went away, but definitely, like, the 80s were the the bottom, or I guess the 80s to today, of like... Yeah, like, no one's making stop motion anymore except for Phil Tippett. <laughs> exactly. The, the, the We'll get into who was, was really uh, in that space, but Phil Tippett's definitely one of the only ones. Um, here's what Burton says. When I developed it originally, it was during the period when Disney was actually changing over and when I didn't know if I was still an employee or not. <laughs> I was just hanging around... There was talk of doing it as kind of a TV special or doing it hand-drawn, but I just didn't want to do any of that, so I buried it. <laughs> I, I do admire that. Like, I think, I think, I have a lot, I have a lot of opinions about uh, Tim Burton, um, most of which have to do with the way I absolutely detest both Johnny Depp and Hello Bomb Carter, but, um, sure. I think, I think there's something really admirable in, like, if I'm not going to be able to do this the way that I want to, I'm not going to fucking do it. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And he was in that real, that, that great position of like, he's working at Disney. They love his stuff. They want him to make the kind of stuff that he wants to make, but they don't want to do it the way he wants to do it. And he's already like, I don't want to compromise that. Yeah, he starts compromising it and then just sort of continues on that train after like 2000. Yeah. We talked about Planet of the Apes on the last episode mm. and that was really, he never really came back from that. But yeah, in that moment, you know, it, it was, it's, it, it's cool that he, Decided to step back from it. I think the TV special thing, you can kind of see that something again like Rudolph with like, he talked about having Vincent Price narrate it. And, um, you know, there, there's definitely a shape to that, but clearly he wanted to flesh it all the way out. Yeah, like there, you, you can very easily see like a 22 minute, like 25 minute version of this in here. Um, but then, you know, I, I feel like there's so much texture to this thing. There's not necessarily like a whole bunch of, story um but there's a lot of yeah. texture to this thing that you wouldn't get if you had to like cut all that stuff out yeah it's very straightforward but i think in 22 minutes you probably don't get to have like the sally scenes you yeah. probably because um, sally's not a character <laughs> anyway yeah <laughs> you probably don't get the uh mischievous gang of children in the 22 minute version true 
True, true. Everything's got to be consolidated. Mm. Um, you probably, I probably don't get the mayor or whatever. I love the mayor. We we love the mayor. Uh, I love that the mayor has like. He's Harvey Dent, basically. <laughs> yeah, there's like the two faced mayor, but his two faces are more like. They're not like good and evil. They're like manic depressive, kind of. <laughs> yeah, they're, <laughs> they're Halloween happy and Halloween sad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> The two genders in Halloween Town. Burton did end up doing a couple more things for Disney, some live-action shorts. He did a a Hansel and Gretel short, and then he did Frank and Weenie, which he later turned into an animated movie. Um, And then they fired him in 1984. Uh, Essentially, they they said they argued that he was spending too much money on things that were too scary for children. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. I'm like, no, I I I get it. Disney comes to him and is like, "You're too creepy, dude." Yeah. You just have a vibe. I don't know, man. This is yeah, not like, the Disney like vibe. your vibe, but it's not. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's not. It's not fitting with the workplace culture at fucking Disney. I hated him for his strange vibe, <laughs> but he had his revenge. <laughs> yes, because lucky for Burton, a certain Paul Rubens had seen his Frankenweenie short. Hell yeah! Another little freak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he's like, I want you to direct the the Pee Wee Herman movie. Oh my god. So that launches his career, Pee Wee's Big Adventure, one of the classics. He does that, and then he does Beetlejuice, and then he does Batman. (laughs) So Yeah. What a wild time. What a great Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know, he he, you you gotta say this about him. He does technically have range. You don't think it, because he has an aesthetic, but he has a range as well. He does, yeah. All of those are, um, you know, they're they're in a similar world, but they're very different vibes. You would like, like, yeah. If you're in a Pee Wee's Big Adventure mood, you're probably not in a Batman mood. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I have seen Beetlejuice. I don't know if I've seen the Timber and Batman, and I definitely have never seen Pee Wee Herman stuff. But I love Beetlejuice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the other two are. I mean, those are three classic classic movies i think the second tim burton batman is better but uh there's some there's some back and forth on that the second one is the one where danny devito is the penguin sure i have i have batman and robin on vhs <laughs> mm. that's not one of those is it great yeah no that's uh, okay. that's schumacher but yeah. okay never mind so he does peewee beetlejuice batman and then he's like i oh, what about the nightmare before christmas yeah he keeps having these nightmares before christmas before Christmas, and he's like, "Hmm, that is an that is an evocative, yeah. <laughs> sort of a twisted thought, isn't it?" <laughs> His twisted a little nightmare brain. before Christmas. Oh my god! <laughs> In 1990, Burton like rings up Disney and is like, "Hey, do you guys still have the right to Nightmare Before Christmas?" And they do. Because mm. <laughs> of course, because they, they're Disney. Disney. You think you're going to make something at Disney and they don't own it forever? Lucky for Tim Burton. He's Tim Burton. So Disney's like, we want to make whatever you want to make <laughs> at that point. He's like, so I guess the, the fucking tables have turned, bitch. Yeah. Yeah. Who's too scary for children now? <laughs> still it's, me. Yeah. I mean, and technically like, he, yeah, he was, he was still too scary for the kind of child that I was. But for little goth kids, he, fucking, they love that shit. <laughs> totally. Beetlejuice. Yeah. The kind of kids who just, like, want to dig in dirt at recess, you know? Like, that's that's Tim Burton's audience. Absolutely. And Disney is like, let's let's get those. Yeah. Um, as I said, 
Stop motion was well out of vogue by 1990. There were only really a handful of people keeping the medium alive. You had Phil Tippett, who was doing stop motion stuff in live action movies. Uh, but in terms of like full stop motion things being made, it was like Nick Park, who was doing the Wallace and Gromit shorts and the Creature Comfort shorts. There was Will Vinton, who did the California Raisins and the Noid. Mm. And there was Henry Selleck, who was doing interstitials for MTV. Sure. That, yeah, that's a wild place for that guy to come from. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Despite being deeply attached to the story, Burton was already committed to Batman Returns. So he got together with Henry Selleck to strike a deal whereby he would produce and Selleck would direct. That makes sense. So it, it is a Tim Burton movie. <laughs> I'll a, die on this hill. It is a film produced by Tim Burton. It's a film... Based on a story by Tim Burton. Yeah, produced and conceived. Um, but yeah, go ahead. This is the last time I'll do that. Jeffrey Katzenberg is at Disney at this time. And he is looking to continue the hot streak. Roger Rabbit, Little Mermaid. We need to build on animation and and into like 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 keep doing the disney classic stuff but also build beyond it mm-hmm. so he's a big part of the reason that they take a chance on nightmare before christmas and it gets off the ground pretty quickly with these names attached and everything uh they set up shop at henry Selick studio in san francisco they basically like give give him an office and are like this is the new disney so-and-so office and whatever and they start production in mid-1991 the movie obviously comes out in 1993 initially Mm -hmm. you know stop motion yeah it takes so long but it's so worth it it's so it's so expensive and it takes forever but if you have the patience and you can do it it really pays off i have a whole i'm i'm not going to stop talking about this i was i was going to say while you were talking about Jeffrey Katzenberg wanting to, like, do different stuff. I'm like, and that's the last time Disney wanted to innovate. And the truth is, like, stop stop motion is very painstaking. On a, on a major studio scale, it's not more expensive than other kinds of animation, unless you're doing, like, cheap CG. Mm-hmm. And it, it takes long, but, again, so does most other kinds of animation. So, like, at a, at a, at a company like Disney, it really wouldn't make a difference if they wanted to do more stop motion. They just don't want to. They don't want to, and that's it's it's such a shame. I'm 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 probably going to talk about this like throughout the episode, but I I my my primary sort of emotion and experience watching this movie for the first time was just like I wish we still had stuff like this being made. Mm. Like I wish people would still invest in like weird and painstaking and complex projects. But now we have what is it? Wish coming out. I can't even keep track. Wish. That's gonna be that's gonna be a disaster. Man. <laughs> um, I often talk about how Disney is cooked. Uh, Wish is 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 just another another brick in the wall. Yeah, and this th- now this this is why I've been getting into just punk movies from the nineties <laughs> because this the la- that's the last time movies were good. <laughs> so initially, Burton is talking to Michael McDowell, who he worked with on Beetlejuice on the Beetlejuice script to uh, to develop a screenplay for this. And then he has kind of a creative fallout with Michael McDowell. And so at that point, he's like, let's make this a musical. Because he, he already has Danny Elfman in the pocket. So he's like, I'm going to go work with Danny Elfman on some songs, and we'll just kind of build a movie around that. Mm-hmm. Which you can feel that. Like, it, it does feel like this movie is Danny Elfman's movie as much as it's Tim Burns or Henry Selleck's. Yeah, we'll, we'll, I mean, you're about to see just how much that is. Yeah. Uh, first, a quote from, from Elfman. Uh, it was one of the easiest jobs I've ever had. I have a lot in common with Jack Skellington. 
What does that mean, Danny? <laughs> Danny, what does that mean? That's the thing, though, is, like, Danny Elfman is the Tim Burton of music. <laughs> yeah. Like, he's well, just he's... a weird little guy. <laughs> it, it's something that I'm not the first person to point out, but Danny Elfman and Tim Burton, like... Like, Elfman does a score for every Burton movie before this, and then, like, he doesn't come back for Ed Wood, and then they reconcile a couple years later. They had some big falling out. Mm-hmm. And, um... Oh, I do have Ed Wood on VHS. <laughs> th- there's the the speculation that, you know, Tim Burton was very attached to this character. Danny Elfman comes in, and he's very attached to this character. Sure. And there's a kind of kin drama that happens. Sure. It's... <laughs> Between the two of them. It's like, what if there were two Lin-Manuel Mirandas? Like, you know how Lin-Manuel Miranda just always makes stuff about people that he really identifies with? He's just always sort of making a thing about himself. Because here's the thing. Selleck starts animating two Elfman songs. Like, they start producing before they have a script. And as they're doing it, actually, uh, Carolyn Thompson ends up writing the script. And Henry Selleck says, quote, There are very few lines of dialogue that are Caroline's. She, She became busy on other films, and we were constantly rewriting, reconfiguring, and developing the film visually. So, again, Tim Burton comes up with a story, and he's just holding on to it for years and years and years. He and Danny Elfman come up with the songs. Tim Burton is busy with Batman. Henry Selleck is, and, and Danny Elfman are making the movie without Tim Burton's involvement based on what Danny Elfman wrote. Yeah, this, this 100, like, when, when you watch the film, this 100% makes sense. This, this, like, what I was saying about, like, it being visually compelling more than anything else. <laughs> um, uh, like, there's, there's not a huge story there. And I think that's very, very evident of just, like, the scripting was a fucking mess because everybody was just, you know, it was, it was, like, scripted, what, like, you know, three or four, seven times, you know? Yeah, I think, I think it is to the film's credit that it has such a rudimentary story and is so anchored by the songs. Yeah. But, oh, like. Oh, yeah, I think it's a great film. It's just not, yeah, it's, yeah. it's not a very script driven film. And it, yeah, it's just. Yeah, no, and, and it makes sense that they didn't really have a script. Yeah. Oh, man, when those songs hit, <laughs> they fucking hit. <laughs> They do. I honestly, on this watch, I was like, there's like two really good songs in this movie. <laughs> and yeah. the rest, you're just kind of like, there's the Elfman vibe, and that's like enough to carry you. But, you know, I feel like people talk about how great this soundtrack is, and it's like, there's This Is Halloween, there's um, What's This, mm-hmm. uh, and there's the rest, <laughs> in my mind. I mean, I, I do like Kidnap the Sandy Clots, because I do love a gang of mischievous children. <laughs> true, true. But I, I do think that even if even if the songs themselves are not fantastic, I think like the the sequences are like just make for really good musical sequences, like visually. I, I I'm sorry, I keep going back to like how stunning how like visually stunning this movie is, but I think I think like it's a really good series of music videos, you know? Yeah. Jack was uh, Burton Elfman self insert OC. Oogie Boogie was actually modeled after the ghost character that Cab Calloway voiced in the Betty Boop cartoons. I'm not familiar with this. There's, um, there's like a, fa- the, the, like, one that gets spread around is the St. James Infirmary Blues one, but there's also, I think they were going off of, like, the Minnie the Moocher one, like, Betty Boop would have these, like, kind of surreal shorts where, like, Cab Calloway would just be singing one of his songs and they'd be, like, animated, you know, to the tune and vibe of his songs and it was all very, like, spooky. Sure. Betty Boop is very different from what I thought it was. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it 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 uh, it's a lot of things, I'd say. Yeah. <laughs> Does her husband know about these dreams she's having? <laughs> <laughs>
Oogie Boogie is voiced by um, Ken Page, the Broadway star. Uh, I think I think it's a really good performance, really fun character. Yeah, as we mentioned, he is I like bugs. He's bugs, as I said. Yeah, yeah. he's bugs. <laughs> Two hundred and twenty-seven puppets were used for the film. A hundred and nine thousand four hundred and forty unique frames were taken. Yeah. Wait, can you say that number one more time? A hundred and nine thousand four hundred and forty. Yeah, yeah, that's the good shit. I love that. <laughs> I love that's that. What we like. that's, that's what we like. That's so good. <laughs> I could never do stop motion. I'm too impatient. Sorry, this is so... This is, like, going back to the cast. This is um, very much a side note for me. Um, when I was in high school, I was really into Greg Proops's podcast. Um mm-hmm. Which, uh, was very interesting, because, like, when I started listening to his stuff, I was, um, to the right of him politically, and and then there was a point where I was like, he's too liberal, like, I was, I was too far to the left of him, and I had to stop listening. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. but, uh, he would talk about, like, being in the cast of Nightmare Before Christmas, and I was like, oh, I've never seen that, but, like, it's cool that he's in it. And he's like, he has, like, three lines, you know? (laughs) He's like... Yeah. He's there for like a second, and I was I was looking this up, and I was like, "Okay, Greg." <laughs> I love that guy, though. I love I love his line. I love True Jackson VP. Anyway, this is my this is my Greg Proops corner. Totally. Uh, yeah, I mean, we could go into the cast a little. There's um, Chris Sarandon, obviously, and Danny Elfman. Uh, sort of, and Chris Sarandon is kind of just doing a Danny Elfman impression, but you know, <laughs> it, it comes together. Yeah, I think I think it's really fun when when they like when animation divides who does the singing voice and who, which I like, it's done very often. Like they did it for Aladdin, etc. Um, but I think it's so funny to be like, well, we want a specific voice, but the guy who has this voice can't sing. So we just, <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Catherine O'Hara. Catherine O'Hara, who was in Beetlejuice. And I assume there was just kind of like a, like a good vibe sort of favor there. I don't, I, I don't know what she got paid, but I assume it wasn't, uh, yeah, it's, it's Tim Burton's guys, you know? It's it's Tim Burton yeah. pulling his guys together. At Ivory, they got for Santa, Santa Claus and the narrator. Um, they were going to get, like, again, Vincent Price or James Earl Jones or something, and then they were like, whatever, let's just get this local guy. Uh... Yeah, I mean, you know, and then Paul Rubens is one of the... one of the little kids. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's really... <laughs> that really yeah. rounds out the cast, and Frank Welker is the dog, as as is often the case. Awesome. Ugh, I love that dog. I think I think the ghost dog that is so cute. Good. Yeah, it's the one like real movie making trick in that movie, and it like really pops. I think it's really nice. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. According to Selick, Tim Burton was on set for about eight to ten days out of the two years the film was in production. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I again, I have so much respect for stop motion. I cannot do it, and I'm I'm part of the problem. Is what's happening. Mm-hmm. Another seller quote. Now, of course, if you ask Danny Elfman, well, that's his movie. When we finished the film, it was so funny because he came up to me and shook my hand. Henry, you've done a wonderful job illustrating my songs. And he was serious, and I loved it. <laughs> yeah. Fine. I mean, yeah, if, if it's you and Danny Elfman, you are going to bottom in that, in that scenario. True. True. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like, I like, I like how, how Elfman took charge of that. But, like, originally, Nightmare was going to be, like, an actual Walt Disney Pictures animated film. Mm-hmm. It was going to be... Because they did Little Mermaid in 89. Mm-hmm. They did... Um, it was Little Mermaid, Rescuers Down Under, Beauty and the Beast. This was going to follow up Beauty and the Beast. Oh, crazy. 
So th- this this was almost like a Disney Renaissance movie. Or actually Aladdin is the one it was going to follow up, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's still, yeah, that's, yeah, that's right in there. That's like right before Hercules, I want to say. It's before the Lion King. Before the Lion King. Yeah. Jesus. See, that that's like what I was into as a, like, that's the stuff that I was watching. Like we were a huge, huge mm-hmm. Disney family. So if it, if, it, if it was, you know, a, a Walt Disney picture, I would have watched it, but. Mm-hmm. And been and been freaked out. Yeah, <laughs> the studio once again got cold feet about it being too scary for kids, and so they moved it to the Touchstone label. But usually, Touchstone would do its own things. But they were like, "Let's, we don't want this at Disney." <laughs> you could be, you could sit over there with the other strange children. <laughs> yeah, they also made the decision three weeks before the film's release to rename it Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> three weeks before release. Yeah, <laughs> that's so funny. They were like, they got they they were so scared of this movie doing badly. <laughs> yeah, it ended up doing so well too. But we'll, yeah. we'll get into that. Yeah, here's what Henry Selick said last year about <laughs> about this. That was a little unfair because it wasn't called Tim Burton's Nightmare until three weeks before the film came out, and I would have been fine with that if that's what I signed up for. Mm. But Tim was in L.A. making two features while I directed that film, and I mean, Tim is a genius, or he certainly was in his most creative years. That's so funny! (laughs) These guys fucking hate each other. (laughs) I always thought his story was perfect, and he designed the main characters, but it was really me and my team of people who brought that to life. Yeah... I mean, uh, from experience, I don't think it's possible to make a movie without ruining at least one friendship. (laughs) (laughs) This one was fucking contentious, though. I mean, it split up Burton and Elfman. Uh, It it split up everyone and Henry Selick. The mistake is, I think the mistake is, if it's your story, you have to direct it, you know? Mm. And I, like, I I get being busy, and I get being like, this guy can do it for me. Um... Uh, but this is, again, this is also from my personal experience. It's like, I think there's too much emotionally that goes into that. If it's like a thing yeah. that you created and like storyboarded or whatever, and, and then you're like handing it off to somebody else to be their baby, because then it becomes their baby, you know? Yeah, if you're really attached to it. And it becomes, I mean, it really is kind of a curse that follows Selleck, because it's not just that people don't credit him for Nightmare. It's like, he puts out James the Giant Peach, or he puts out Coraline, or even Wendell and Wild last year, and people are like... Oh, it's from the guy who did Nightmare Before Christmas. I guess this is a Tim Burton movie. I was taking someone to see Coraline. They re-released it in, like, August for some reason. And um, when, when I... They hadn't seen it before. And when I asked them about it, they were like, yeah, the Tim Burton movie, right? Yeah, we've also Burton talked about this. Coraline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we also <laughs> talked about this when we first talked about Nightmare. Because I think, like, we were... I think we were watching Goodfellas. We were going to see Goodfellas. And I mentioned Coraline as a Tim Burton movie. And you were like, no, it's Henry Selick. And I was like... Yeah. All right, <laughs> but yeah, it's like it's like that 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 sort of like t- Tim Burton sort of was the, the stop motion guy for like and and probably like still is if there's like a creepy stop motion movie for kids, it's like oh, it's fucking Tim Burton's Nightmare Before Christmas, you know? It's such yeah. a it's such a it's almost like the Kleenex of <laughs> of movies, you know? Like it is it is the thing where the brand name has become the brand or the the whole thing. Yeah, and Tim Burton, I guess Corpse Bride is is the one that he did. Yeah, sure. Which I think I always I always mix that up with Nightmare. Um, yeah, because I also haven't seen Corpse Bride. Yeah, and I think that one gets really closely associated with Nightmare because they also marketed it as Tim Burton's Corpse Bride. Sure. 
<laughs> but yeah, they really they really screwed uh, screwed Henry on that one. <laughs> um, it got its limited release on October thirteenth, nineteen ninety three. It's opening weekend. It made nearly two hundred thousand dollars on two screens, so <laughs> yeah. they expanded it nationwide. Uh, a couple weeks later, widely acclaimed by critics, did pretty well at the box office. Um, sort of a sleeper hit, and then it came out on home video. Mm. I'm having trouble finding the facts on this. It was one of the. It was definitely one of the earliest Disney movies to be released on DVD. Potentially the first disney animated movie to be released on dvd and that combined with this idea that had to be in some like in jeffrey katzenberg's head from the beginning like it's a halloween movie and a christmas movie (laughs) yeah yeah that's that's like a fucking moneymaker right there you know that's really really smart (laughs) exactly so those things gave it a huge cult following also the ascendant emo subculture of the 2000s that we've talked about many times on this show like (laughs) like it was sort of right in the pocket for that because it was like you know kids watching it on tv on home video in the late 90s and then they become emo teens in the 2000s and you know jack skellington's right there and then hot topic is right there with fucking sweatshirts you know that's fucking right (laughs) and that that creates a partnership between disney and hot topic that we all know and love <laughs> i'm actually i am gonna go on the hot topic website and see if see what merchandise they have for nightmare um i do have you seen have i showed you my um i got i got one of the hoodies from the mummy collection that they did last year oh yeah yeah i got i got i got like a it's it's very cool i'll show you my mummy hoodie but like last year the hot topic came out with like a mummy 1999 uh collection for for no reason other than i think like the the small um Brendan Fraser Renaissance was happening because the whale had just come out, um, right. and I was like, I need one of those hoodies. But I, I stand hot topic. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll let you know if I find anything really good. <laughs> They're definitely past their prime, but I think you can still find some diamonds in the rough at Hot Topic. Yeah, I want Hot Topic to be the next uh, meme stock. You know, I want to go diamond hands on. <laughs> <laughs> on Hot Topic. On Hot Topic. Yeah, I'm totally Hot Topic. <laughs> you heard it here first. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna dumb money hot topic. Yeah. Um so so Nightmare comes out in ninety three and Disney is like afraid of it. By two thousand two, Disney is trying to persuade Burton to let them make a CGI sequel. And he said no. <laughs> he, he said, said no. Yeah. Absolutely fucking not. What are you talking about? <laughs> I hate CG. Like- I hate CG so much. Because it's like I mean, we can start to talk about the movie now. That's sort of yeah. the end of the history, but but like they did, I think they did a game that was, like, a, a sequel of sorts. They did, like, you know, sort of that thing people do where they'll, like, you know, Chuck Palahniuk puts out Fight Club 2. You know, they they, they they just do, like, peripheral stuff that sort of continues the story. There was, a, like, a video game? I believe so. Oh, Oogie's Revenge. Sorry, now I'm looking at this. It's a 2004 action-adventure video game for the PlayStation and the Xbox. Published by Capcom. Oh, I'll look at some Let's Plays with this later. It's it's just like five hours to play. All right. There was also a YA novel that was a sequel to the film <laughs> that came out like two yeah. years ago. Two years ago? That's yeah. so funny. Do kids? I guess I guess kids are still really into. I guess it's like it's one of those classic weird kid movies now, right? Yeah, and I think the YA industry is right in that zone where it's like Disney can dredge up their properties and be like, let's just give this a YA novel. Sure. And someone will buy it. Yeah, I mean, novelizations, I think, are still really big. Yeah, I feel like uh, you can see how, I mean, again, the the thing that is so great about this movie is that 
it's very light on story, and it sets up its mythos very effectively without making you think a lot of things about like how they got there or or like what happens to these characters later like like it's fully self-contained yeah it's 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 not very dense i think which makes it really ripe for identification and fandom (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. like it it, Mm -hmm. it, it's like you can you can sort of pull out your favorite part and there's not a lot you need to know about it other than that guy looks freaky you know um like that guy looks freaky and i like him Yeah, I mean, we we talk about how Sally isn't a character, and then we talk about our favorite characters, and they're like one line background. <laughs> like, like, yeah, I mean, when I say, and we can go into it when we're like there in the movie, but like when I say Sally's not a character, it's like she's the romantic interest, and she doesn't do anything, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I like I like the basic concept of her as like. A Frankenstein who's always like pulling one over on on the scientist. Yeah, <laughs> that's the fun yeah. dynamic. And I like the idea that even though she's the love interest, she gets a bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because she... I think a lot of movies like this like have the love interest and and everyone else is a bit player, but she is just the love interest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's 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 a pretty girl, but also she uh, poisons her dad, which is awesome. Yeah, <laughs> I wish I could do yeah. that. Um, Hot Topic does have a Deadly Nightshade, like, container cookie jar for $50, (laughs) which if I had more disposable income, I absolutely would buy, but I wouldn't keep cookies in there, because why would I do that? (laughs) Yeah, what would you keep in there? Weed. Yeah. I would just just keep edibles in there. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, no need for a, no need for a bit on that one. That's pretty, that's pretty much, uh, well done. Uh, There's an Oogie's Boys lip balm set. There's a lot of Oogie's Boys boys stuff. Lip balm. (laughs) Lip balm for boys. Lip balm for boys. Let's let's hear it for. (laughs) Are they all boys? I totally thought the witch was a girl, but maybe that's that's me projecting. (laughs) Uh, they are. I I kind of think so. I'm not positive, but that's crazy. They're uh, that's gender. Yeah, lock, shock, and barrel. You can get uh, you can get a dress that looks like Sally's dress, and it looks awful. (laughs) Totally, absolutely. The the thing that I think of with the story is like it's setting a new mythos for holidays, which is which is this really unique thing, and it's great for kids. And it's like all the holidays have their own towns, mm-hmm. and like in that town, it's just that holidays vibe all the time. Um, and they all have their own like like municipal structure and all these things. The six holidays I have them written down here are yeah, it's an it's an insane assortment. They're Halloween, Christmas, Easter. Valentine's Day, St. Patrick's Day, and Thanksgiving. Yeah. Like, no New Year's. No New Year's. I guess that would be tough to portray with, like, a little shape on a tree, but, sure. like, there, there's a lot to be said. I mean, first of all... You don't want to do, like, Fourth of July or something because you don't want to make it specific to one country. But Thanksgiving is specific to one That's country. That's true. <laughs> That's so true. Um, it's it's five Christian holidays, and Halloween's kind of a like Christian pagan thing. But and then th- American Thanksgiving, yeah, and yeah, the the inclusion of Easter is so insane to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but like, okay, what do we think the Valentine's Day town is like? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sort of thinking about what the St. Patty's Day town is like. <laughs> Oh, I want to go there. I want to go to St. Patrick's Day Town. You just, you just walk out and it's Boston. <laughs> <laughs> it's South Philly. Or no, South Philly's like, Italian. What am I doing? 
there's Irish people here somewhere, I'm sure. But um, do you think about any of those towns other than Halloween and Christmas? And it, I mean, Thanksgiving town. Like, what the fuck happens there? It's, <laughs> Who's who are the people in Thanksgiving town? It's it's just rivers of turkey blood. <laughs> Yes, mm-hmm. there are turkeys dying left and right in that fucking town, dude. Yeah, yeah. Now, if, if Jack ended up in there, he'd be like, "This place is good." <laughs> yeah, it's, it's. I'm imagining like a Candyland, but like with cranberry sauce. You know what I mean? Yeah, I just think like you know, kids do the Thanksgiving thing in school, and it's like, oh, the the pilgrims and the natives, and they they had dinner together, like. Is that what Thanksgiving Town is? It's oh like yeah, what's the <laughs> what are what are the what are the racial vibes of Thanksgiving Town? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the same can be said of St. Patrick's Day Town. A uh, <laughs> little bit, yeah. Are there are there any English? <laughs> <laughs> I went to St. Patrick's Day Town and I got attacked by the IRA. Um... <laughs> I mean, if it were me, I would join. I would. I would join the IRA in St. Patrick's Day Town. I think they probably are having yeah. a good time over there. Anyway, yeah. um, <laughs> no, I okay. So, so a question that occurred to me. Sorry, I'm, I'm still interrogating the towns. Um, to to my recollection, there is no candy in Halloween Town. Yeah, it's just scary. But there's like there's like yeah. food and stuff in there's there's like cakes and pies in Christmas Town. Like there is food in this universe. But there's, Root. like, I feel like everybody in Halloween Town is just, like, eating bugs and stuff. Yeah, that that is... <laughs> the look on your face. I'm like, I've, like, unlocked something for you. Because it's, like, that's that's a pretty big element of Halloween. Right? In our culture. And it's, like, why why wouldn't that be? Because there's even, like, the, the, the Oogie's kids are, like, trick-or-treaters. They are like, trick-or-treaters, but they're just pranksters. Yeah, they don't. They're, 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 they're tricks. Trick- they're, yeah. They're all trick yeah, they're all trick and no treat. I yeah. love them. They are I want to be their dad. Let's be clear. Yeah. <laughs> I think I could fix them, you know? I think I could play catch yeah. with them, and I think they would be fixed. Because the whole thing with them is, like, Jack tells them, you know, I need you to go kidnap Santa Claus and don't tell Oogie Boogie. And they don't really tell him, per se. They're just kind of really loud and obnoxious, and they don't care if he hears or not. Yeah. I mean, yeah. See, we're back to the question of, like, are they his kids? <laughs> like, yeah. what is the relationship there? Um, they live in his house, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, they live in his house. He's like, I guess, I don't know. Yeah, some, some people just need a daddy, you know? And that's, yeah, maybe, maybe he adopted them. Yeah. See, that's kind nice. Family. That's cute. Yeah. That's nice. <laughs> uh, it takes a village, and sometimes the village is bugs. Yeah, a village of bugs. Yeah. So yeah, so so <laughs> the movie's starting. We, we're in, we're still we're still with the trees. The movie starts. A successful Halloween has come and gone, and Jack returns to town. He is the Pumpkin King. He's so hot. Everybody wants to fuck him. Like everyone in this town wants to fuck Jack. Totally. I think the sax guy who calls him Bone Daddy, for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, Which honestly, like if there's... if if a guy who's the king of my town sets himself on fire at the end of Halloween, like yeah, I would also want to fuck him. <laughs> I, I wonder about what the title of Pumpkin King is. Like, is that an honorific bestowed by the mayor? Is he just the king of the town? Is it more just, like, his nickname? It feels like a like a prime minister situation, you know? Like, it feels like there is a monarch and there is also an executive leader. 
Yeah, I kind of get that vibe. The way everyone's like, what do we do when he goes missing? It definitely feels like he is, like, a leader. Yeah, I think I think Jack is sort of the keeper of the Halloween spirit, right? He's, he's the vibes mm-hmm. master, if you will. And the mayor is just, like, the guy who makes sure that all the trains are on time. Right. Which, I okay, we don't, we don't have to go, like, too deep into this. When we say a, another successful Halloween... What is actually mm-hmm. happening? Because it seems like no one ever leaves Halloween Town. So, I, like mm-hmm. when when Jack finds the forest of all the holiday trees, he, he like doesn't know where he is, right? So, like it doesn't seem like they're going into like our world or whatever. So, are they just like throwing a big party and then it like sort of the the vibes like pierce the veil and then it's Halloween in our world or like what's going on? Yeah, I'm not clear. Maybe I'm forgetting. I do feel like Jack like comes back in some sense at the beginning of the movie. Like, I kind of get the vibe. It, I mean, obviously, they must be different spaces, like the the woods where the doors to the towns are and, like, our world. Sure. But... I do realize we're asking too many questions of this movie, but... <laughs> yeah, but what, what else are we going to do? Yeah. Um, I, I, but then that's the question, is if Jack comes to our world, what does he do? <laughs> he hangs out, you know? <laughs> yeah, he just sets the vibe. Yeah. Oh no, yeah, because he does. Because he does go to the real world when he's doing Christmas. True. Yeah, because there's no there's no Santa of Halloween, which I guess I guess is why he, they like you know they had to make him the Pumpkin King. Like they had, to, they had to invent a Santa for Halloween. Yeah, one of my favorite lyrics in the movie is from the like Jack introduction song. He says to a guy in Kentucky, "I'm Mister Unlucky." That's really good. I just feel like that song sort of establishes a little bit of like you know. The, the 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 like creepy things that kids see like under their bed and in their closet they all come from Halloween Town. Yeah, I think yeah. There's there's a lot. Um, the tone of this film is re- incredibly adept at like tapping into sh- like child fears. Like not not in a way that's going to like scar children for life, but in a way that's like oh like these are adults who are very aware of like what being a child is like. And, and, and what being, like, scared of things as a child is like. You know, it's it's bugs, you know? You're closer to the ground as a yeah. child. There's more bugs there. Yeah, what if a guy was bugs? That would yeah, be, what if a guy was bugs? <laughs> that would be fucked up. I, I, I was trying to imagine, like, who the Santa Claus of Valentine's Day town is. Like, who the Santa Claus of Thanksgiving town is. Yeah, who's, who's the... I mean, is Santa Claus the king of Christmas town? I would assume so. Do they all have that kind of structure, or do they have their own different local uh, leadership? I guess, yeah, I guess these are the questions that I'll have to, like, (laughs) break into Danny Elfman's home to ask. So Jack has the song about how he's... uh, Well, first everyone does a song about how it's Halloween, and Mm -hmm. then Jack does a song about how cool he is, and then Jack does a song about how he's missing something. Uh, Yeah. Well, those are kind of the same song, but, like... He's got ennui, you know? He's he's just a guy. He's just a little guy. It's his birthday. Yeah, I mean, it's a classic Disney thing of, like, the I Want song, but Mm -hmm. I feel like this really... you, You get that vibe of, like, you know... He's got this Halloween shit all around him, and he's like, what if there was something else? Jack seems like a very r- relatable character, and that he's not, I, it doesn't seem like he's, like, particularly unhappy with being the Pumpkin King, but he's like, what else is there? You know? It's like, it's like yeah. me moving to Philly from Chicago. <laughs> it's like, you know, what else? What do we got? I also feel like Jack definitely represents, like, I, and I, this could be the Burton side, or it could be the Offen side, but he definitely represents, like, the 
the filmmaker or the the artist who like is is like trying to do something different and uh just trying to like get their audience and their financiers and all that on board with it Mm -hmm. yeah i mean especially later when he's like trying to convince everybody to, 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 to do christmas yeah, because he pretty quickly, he sort of wanders out into the woods and then stumbles upon these doors. He's he's just kind of walking all night, I think. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know when you take like a long a, walk? You just take a walk, yeah, and then you find some doors. He goes into Christmas Town, and then we have What's This? What's This? Which I didn't know was from this movie. I, like, I had definitely seen it referenced because I was on Tumblr in 2012. Um, mm-hmm. But I, yeah, it was, it, was, it was kind of a delight to be like, oh, I... I know this. That's strange. Yeah. And Christmas Town, you definitely feel like the Rudolph, uh, all, all those like Rankin Bass holiday specials. Like you can see that vibe in there really strongly. Yeah. It's beautiful. Christmas Town is so nice. Yeah. There, what I, one of the things I really like about this movie and, and just Jack's characterization is that like he shows up in Christmas Town, he loves it, and he also gets it in a way that he, can't really express to people yeah again like jack is just a very relatable guy like he's he's exceedingly normal um in a way i didn't expect going into this movie (laughs) right there's a way to go there's a way of doing this where you would go straight from he shows up in christmas town he's like okay i get it i'm gonna do it myself and then he can't but like he really he and he doesn't actually get it but like he really does get it Mm -hmm. he just can't he just doesn't have the like bandwidth or the language to express it, and then once, as his audience keeps misinterpreting it, he says, literally, I might as well give them what they want. Yeah, I mean, the, I think, like, the fundamental problem is, like, he he is a Halloween guy. You know, I think yeah. I think there's something in here about, like, not necessarily being able to escape your roots, right? It's it's like mm-hmm. he's, he's, yeah, I, 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 I really, I love all of the, like, reinterpretations of Christmas stuff through the lens of Halloween, um, and it, it does feel very true to that character that he's, like, genuinely trying his hardest, and he just can't do it, because he's never done anything that's not Halloween before. Yeah, and he's trying to express to the to the crowd in the auditorium, like, he can't just say, it's not scary, as mm-hmm. much as that's what he's trying to convey, because, like, they have no conception really have... of scary, because that's all that they are. Yeah, He's like, what do you mean? Like, even even in his mind, it's like, he doesn't really understand that it's not scary. He just knows mm. that it's different from Halloween. Yeah, it's 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 different, and he likes it, and it makes him feel good inside. But he has, yeah, he has no language to talk about it. He should take a media studies class. <laughs> yeah, he needs that literacy, that critical analysis we all know and love. <laughs> he, um, so So what he does is, like... He, as he's like wrestling with the, the the world and how he really wants to make this happen, he's like, or to explain it to people, he's like, you know what? I can do it myself. I can make it even better. Mm-hmm. And he crowdsources. <laughs> this is this is this is where he fumbles. He crowdsources the development of each Christmas item to all the people of Halloween Town. He's 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 so magnanimous. He has them all line up and he gives them each a task from Christmas to replicate or do better. I love the band playing carols as a uh I was watching this with subtitles and it literally just said like plays it as dirge. <laughs> yeah. And um, he has, like, the people making presents. He has the, the boys kidnap uh, uh, Santa Claus, as we said. And he, he like, as, as they're preparing for Christmas, you know, he has that little scene where he's like, this isn't right. 
<laughs> you know, like he 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 knows that he's not doing it right, but he has no he he has no way to correct it. He's just like, I know this is wrong, but I, like he again, he doesn't have a language for it. I think it's it's really sweet. It's delightful. Yeah, he, and, and um, Sally is like sneaking out to uh, visit Jack and send him up like bread and roses and and wine and that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, she has, she has a, a vision. vision. She like yeah. she she pulls a flower out of Jack's uh, uh, garden and it turns into a Christmas tree and then burns up, which is so crazy. <laughs> it's wild. It's wild. And then she's, she's, she's like, like, I had a vision. I had this vision. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she had a nightmare before Christmas. She did have a nightmare before. Christmas. She had the nightmare before Christmas. There's also probably a way of looking at that where it's like. She also kind of gets Christmas, even though she doesn't see it. But 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 just on some level, like she knows that she's what, a pure what's going soul. on is not it. Yeah, yeah. Like she, I think I think there's something in there about like the fact that she's a Frankenstein. She's like sheltered. She's like kind of a tabula rasa, and like there's a lot of like innocence that you can project onto that kind of character. She's the one normal woman, and Jack is the one normal man in Halloween Town. <laughs> So of course they're yeah. destined for each other, even though they they barely interact. <laughs> Jack is like the normal one compared to every th- everyone else, and then mm-hmm. Sally is so normal that she makes Jack look crazy. Yes, yes. I love that. I love. I do love the song when they're planning to kidnap Santa Claus because they're just like, we're gonna put him in a bag. <laughs> yeah, we're just gonna keep him in a bag. <laughs> We, we, we're sort of finally introduced to Oogie Boogie. Like, he shows up at the beginning, but then we're actually introduced to him, like, halfway through the movie. Yeah. And I love, I love the character. I love his whole, like, casino, like, lounge singer kind of vibe. It's all great It feels, stuff. yeah, I feel like, um, it feels a little like, you know, the big villains in Cuphead, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I feel like Oogie Boogie's, uh, is, like, structured within this work in a, in a way that's very similar to that, to, like, King Dice and the Devil. That all goes back to it's. We're probably talking. It's probably the inspiration for those is the same Betty Boop cartoons. Like, mm. um, I also want to say, like Oogie Boogie's modeling is so like nice and intricate. Like I, I, I talked earlier about this film having some really good textures visually, and that, like that's that's just me in love with stop motion for the most part. But like um, seeing all of the little lines of the the canvas covering on Oogie Boogie, I was like, I don't even like that's so. I just like it's 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 so like textural and it's so tangible um in a way that's really really fun. And then when you find out he's bugs, it's like whoa. Yeah, like yeah. <laughs> I've got so many this bugs. Well, he's so many bugs. I like I I ha- I literally I was watching this and I was like I wonder how how just physically how large the models had to be for them to get that level of detail. <laughs> yeah, and I think as as you go further through like Selick's career, he gets even more intricate, but like there's some really great stuff here with just like different textures and you know working on a, a somewhat modest budget on like you know with no script and and just kind of going going off vibes they really do create like a an incredibly detailed world. Mhm. It's a great movie. It's just so fun. <laughs> Jack goes out and does Christmas. He goes out on Christmas Eve with all his presents. And uh uh his dog is Rudolph. Yeah, there's there's a little moment where it's suddenly oh no Sally Sally makes it get foggy. It's the it's the one thing Sally does is she makes it be foggy mm-hmm. so that Jack can't go on his sleigh ride. And then Zero is Rudolph, which I thought that was so cute. <laughs> that was really good. 
So things quickly go awry because all the presents are scary. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was really funny when people started uh, calling the cops on him. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. It's like, that's that's not fucking Santa Claus. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then and then that escalates to like a military operation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he gets shot up shot up by the military. I do really yeah. love the destroyed version of his Santa outfit. I, mm-hmm. I think that's a, a whole look. I'm really in love with it. Um, so that's yeah. my you know that's my uh, fashion watch. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> that's what you responded to uh, fashion wise yeah. in this. I'm yeah. I'm very I'm very aesthetically driven. In, in case you couldn't tell by the everything about me, uh, and that's a good aesthetic. Do you need the hot topic version of that? I do need the hot topic version of that. I don't know if they have it, but I'll keep looking. I mean, there's really not much else to the movie after that. There's like the he comes back and he he sort of realizes his mistake and he has to go free Santa Claus from Oogie Boogie, who's who's uh, torturing him. Um, and Sally. And and Sally, yeah. And Sally, yeah. It's a pretty brief confrontation. Yeah. Isn't there a song in there? Or is there, No. I thought there was a song in there, but maybe not. Maybe I was just thinking about the Oogie Boogie song. But yeah, it, it is true what you're saying. There, there's, there's not much there, which is just, I think, a, a, a byproduct of this just being a very sort of bare-bones script where there is a script. But it's... Um, I remember watching it and, and being like, oh, uh... And and it's fixed, you know. Like like I think it's like Jack sort of walks in and like does one thing, and it's like okay, that's done. <laughs> yeah, it's really well, it doesn't. Again, like it could have set itself up where like Jack is so like motivated to do this that like he won't listen to reason, and someone like maybe Sally has to like step in and and stop him, or you know it has to like break out Santa and like go and fix Jack's mistakes or whatever it is. But like again. Jack goes into this with a lot of respect for Christmas. He wants to get it right. He can't, and he realizes that. You know, when, when I when I keep saying that Sally's not a character, uh, like this is the thing that I mean, right? Like Sally does not pass the lamp test, right? You could mm-hmm. replace Sally with a lamp in this movie, and it would be fine. <laughs> like nothing, nothing would change. Yeah, but the lamp wouldn't have a bit. That's <laughs> a lamp that keeps trying to kill its dad. Yeah, that's a fun <laughs> one. <laughs> I mean, this is 75 minutes. Yeah, it's, and thank God, too. Because I, yeah. you know, you know, I have very hard line stances on how long a movie should be. I saw the runtime of this movie, and I was like, thank God. Thank you, Tim Burton. <laughs> thank you, Henry Selleck. It uh, is, is really perfectly paced, I think. Yeah, which that's the thing, right? It's like, it's it's 75 minutes, but you, you could still fit more in there, you know? Yeah. Um, It's great. It's awesome. No movie has to be longer than 100 minutes. I think it, and I've said this before, I think it should be illegal for a movie to be more than 100 minutes long. <laughs> That's like my hottest take. <laughs> it is. Yeah, but I think I, I, that, that is a great point too. Like part of it is, again, how how uh, light it is and how it's driven by music. But like in 75 minutes, it's able to like take its time and set tone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you don't, you don't need a whole thing to set a tone in a movie. This is what nobody understands. This is what, this is what James Cameron doesn't understand. Uh, there, there are whole sequences in James Cameron movies that you could get with a shot. Um, anyway, <laughs> I love James Cameron. I love The Way of Water. I'm just claiming that in case people uh, who listen to your podcast uh, murder me. Um, yeah, well, we had a big, big, big uh, J-Hive audience. <laughs> 
So there's the film. Like, I, it, it's a classic for a reason, and it's really one of the most influential. It's one of the most influential films. I mean, it, it just, its influence only grows. And I think we're seeing that also now with Coraline, which, which you know, came out like mm-hmm. 13 years ago. And I think that you can see how that is building to, I don't know if it's going to be like as much of like a marketing staple as, as Nightmare Before Christmas is, because it's like hitting those holiday markets, seeing that hot topic market. But I feel like uh, Selleck has, has this ability with stop motion to like I, I i as you're saying there there's just so many incredible things you can do with it and it all feels so textured like like that's sort of a thing with with animation itself like there are things you can do in stop motion it already like like the very design of it gives it texture and depth and its own sort of world so so you don't have to do as much world building like in a live action movie you you have to sort of build your vibe and build the like you know how these characters interact with each other how they interact with the world what the world is in stop motion you can do all that with just your visual language yeah there's and i think especially with selick not to not to be like a film guy but um i think i think he is incredibly incredibly good at mise-en-scene you know Mm -hmm. um like he 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 puts so much into a frame uh, and, and like everything in the frame is there to sell you on that world. Uh, and, and he does. He does it. It's really, really great. But again, that's the thing with stop motion. You can't waste a frame. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're taking 109,000 pictures. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's been two years and we've taken 100,000 pictures, please. <laughs> it's like, like imagine... Um, was it Lord or Miller who was like made the animators on the new Spider-Man thing like redo scenes like five times? Lord. Yeah. Um, imagine doing that with this, like <laughs> you know, <laughs> imagine doing that with like physical production design. Yeah, and like Henry Selleck has a reputation for being like a bitch, mm-hmm. but every every. Filmmaker is a bitch. This is the secret. Yeah, but 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 he but he also has a, like a reputation for being like very professional and very good at what he does. And you can tell he doesn't like, you know, Phil Tippett started making Mad God in the late '80s and was just like, I have to do it all myself. I can't I can't rest until everything's exactly as I want it. Hendrik Selleck doesn't ha- have that Phil Lord thing of like you need to figure out what what I want. Like, he is he is able to produce these great things by being collaborative, working with other stylists like Tim Burton, or just basing it off of, you know, Tim Burton or Neil Gaiman or whatever it is on each project. Yeah. And I think that that is part of why Nightmare is so just perfectly balanced. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're right. I have to watch Mad God again. That's yeah, such a good Mad movie. God is... Mad God is pretty perfectly balanced, too. It's so good. It's so gross. I love it so much. Yeah, I feel like Mad God and Nightmare are sort of in a similar zone of being just, like, these um, fairly short, light stories in these just uh, fully realized worlds. Mm -hmm. And Mad God has a lot more detail than Nightmare, but... It's also much looser. It's just much more of a surreal yeah. sort of piece. Yeah, but but they they occupy a similar space in terms of like 
yeah, creating their own world in a way you can only do in stop motion. Yeah. And I guess that's sort of the other thing is like, last year we did have Mad God and Wendell and Wild and Pinocchio and um, even a few others that, that are slipping my mind right now of like, there was a there was a long period after Nightmare where it was like Tim Burton can get a stop motion thing made if he really wants to. Henry Selleck has the ability to turn around one of these in like a decade, mm-hmm. um, and it was really no one else. I mean, you also had Ardman uh, building off of Wallace and Gromit, doing the Wallace and Gromit movie, doing these other movies with with DreamWorks, like. Again, stop motion never really went away, but certainly throughout the tens, and there are a lot of things to be said about the tens where it's like it was just sort of the the doldrums of of a lot of things in film. The nature of animation, yeah, except for like Fantastic Mr. Fox, maybe. Yeah, from for, it's like Fantastic Mr. Fox. You have Leica and Ardman both going on then. You have like Paranorman and also like um... yeah, you had Kubo and the Two Strings, which was really yeah. I liked it a lot. That's the stuff that like is doing that also comes yeah. from like like Henry Selleck kind of starts that and then you have yeah. uh, like the Shaun the Sheep movies and things like that. Sure. But uh, yeah, it feels like we are not to say I mean none of, none of those movies were like crazy relevant. The Mad God and and um, Wendell and Wild and Pinocchio is probably the most relevant out of those. But it does seem like more of those spaces are opened up now than before. And like since the eighties, it's been really the same five-ish people who have been able to do this. And maybe now we're starting to get to a point where, where new people can do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, Godspeed. Again, I, I, I love this kind of movie. I would not be able to make it. So, like, hats off. <laughs> yeah. Any uh, final thoughts before we close out here? Thanks. Thanks for uh, having me on again. I, <laughs> I feel like every time I come on this show... Uh, like, I, I know that the concept of the show is, like, controversial media or whatever. I feel like every time I come on the show, I'm like, here's a thing that I like. <laughs> sure. You want to watch well, a thing did, that I like? We did Pitch Perfect last time, so that's, so that's, uh, that's true. a little that's bit of an true. exception. But yeah. there are things to like about it. I mean, there are things we like about Pitch Perfect. Yeah. I can't think of any right now. I like the riff off in the second one. I said that last time. The riff off in the second one, yeah. But, but yeah, yeah, I always I, love to yeah. have you on. You're always welcome. I, yeah. It's a good. Ex- it was a good excuse to watch Nightmare Before Christmas, which I, I don't think I ever would have watched if it wasn't like for something. Because I'm like I'm an adult, totally. and it's great. It's that's true. Yeah, maybe sometimes I should like watch things. You know. Yeah, yeah. Um, would you like to plug some stuff before we sign off? Yeah. Um, what, wait, when is this episode coming out? I uh, like Friday or Thursday this week. Okay, if it's coming out this week, then Rabbit Hole is still happening. So I'll plug Rabbit Hole. Mm-hmm. Um, I yeah I. I'm ostensibly a filmmaker, um, if audiences don't know. Um, I am currently releasing a 10-part uh, video series. Toxic Poem is what I'm calling it. It's very, you know, if, if, if you like me talking about uh, aesthetics and vibes, um, and if you also like a fucked up guy, uh, check out Rabbit Hole. Um, it's on my Twitter and my Instagram, which are both at Cody. It's spelled R-U-E-C-O-D-E-Y, because I like to confuse people. Um, but that's sort of my main thing going on right now. <laughs> Excellent. Well, uh, thank you again for joining me, and thank you to everyone who has been listening. Uh, if you like this episode, you can rate or share or follow or like whatever it is on wherever you're listening to it. It's up on every every streaming place, um, and you can also share it with people. That's one of the best things you can do, let people know you like the show. Next time, we'll be talking about something else. 
uh, Halloween appropriate, and I don't know what yet. Yay! 